How do we face the trials of life? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Remember that Jesus gave the promise for these crushing, precious times. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Listen, I have overcome the world. He never calls you to do what He wants you to do on your own. And if He calls you, He enables you. I've told you often, a Christian cannot say, I cannot. All a Christian can say is, I will not. We're kind of busted, aren't we? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Doesn't it seem like it's getting more and more difficult to be a Christian these days? Is there more pressure, more ridicule, more attacks? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us on a visit to one of the early Christian churches, and it's here where we can glean lessons of survival. Let's join him for today's message drawn from the book of 2 Thessalonians and three important principles in today's Simple Truth study titled, Always Faithful. Paul begins his letter by a prayer of thanksgiving for the incredible Christian witness the Thessalonian church had exhibited from the very beginning. Let me read verses 3 through 5. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and in all your persecution and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evident of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Here are the three things that Paul's thanksgiving prayer expresses. First, Paul's admiration of the Thessalonians in verse 3. His admiration. Secondly, Paul's commendation of the Thessalonians in verse 4. And then thirdly, Paul's declaration to the Thessalonians in verse 5. Notice first, Paul's admiration of Thessalonians in verse 3. First, Paul thanks God for their salvation. This is the divine side. You always must begin with God. You see, God alone is worthy to receive all the glory and honor. Paul the Apostle goes into a great crescendo at the end of Romans in chapter 11, verse 32 to 36. All the wealth and the riches and the knowledge of God beyond our finding now. And he goes on unto him is all the glory that praise him. What? Salvation. Notice still in verse 3 there, Paul thanked God for their growth. This is the human side. It speaks of their belief and trust depending on God beyond salvation to every area of life. See, salvation is just the beginning. Notice, secondly, Paul's commendation of the Thessalonians in verse 4. Paul uses the Thessalonian church as an example to the other churches of God. This is incredible. The boasting was for the purpose of encouraging believers to trust in what God can do. The sharing and boasting regarding anything to another is never to be for the sake of provoking them to jealousy or envy. But the hope and faith in God. But if you're boasting in God for the purpose of helping them grow and to move on and to encourage them, then that is true glorying in God. Paul's commendation was valuable in view of what they had experienced, namely, sufferings. He mentions the process, patience and faith, describing how they went through these sufferings. The word patience means to remain under. But not merely uncomplaining submission, 
but a sustaining effort to bear up steadfast endurance. The same root word is used for the manner in which we are to run the spiritual race in Hebrews 12.1, with patience, bearing under. If you were a runner in school at any time, you know how you bear under. If you loved to run, you endured the pain, and it was no problem. But if you're not a runner, you say, forget this stuff, I'm going home. The word faith again is the same word. It means the trust and dependency on God, strength against the attack of unbelief. Listen, we live in tension. Tension is good though. Because where there's tension, there's resistance. Where there's resistance, you get stronger. You know that if you want to lift weight, if you want to get strong, you want to get bigger muscles, you've got to place a bigger load of weight than you can bear. So your muscle breaks down and it can build up bigger. God places testings, persecutions, and trials to break down our spiritual muscles that they might break down and be able to bear more next time. Now notice also that he mentions the particular situation in persecution and tribulation. You know the word persecution, what it means. It comes from the word to pursue, to follow. He was always pursued by the Judaizers, chased down, stoned to death of Lystra, caught up to the third heaven. God allowed him to come back. Notice the word tribulation. It means pressure, anguish, trouble. The word is used for crushing grapes. Pressure. But if the spice will not be crushed, neither will it yield its beautiful aroma and scent. Now, if you try to bear the pressure of life on your own, you're going to be a grape. If you bear it under God's power, you're going to be a sweet-smelling aroma. The choice is ours, isn't it? Remember that Jesus gave the promise for these crushing, precious times. He said this in John 16, 33. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Listen, I have overcome the world. He never calls you to do what He wants you to do on your own. And if He calls you, He enables you. I've told you often, a Christian cannot say, I cannot. All a Christian can say is, I will not. We're kind of busted, aren't we? The gospel had cost them their very fellowship with the world. Remember 1 Thessalonians 2, 14, 3, 3 through 5. If you're a Christian, it's going to cost you the fellowship with the world. You live in the world, but not of the world. Listen, when I became a Christian, I still run into some friends and I share the Lord and all that, but it cost me. They're not going to embrace you. They're going to think you smoked the big one. You really lost it this time. Notice 30, he mentions the product. You endured. Endure means to hold oneself up against erect, implying resistance and victory. Because you resisted, you became stronger and you were victorious. Some of you have gone through difficult times in your life and you've resisted and you've become out stronger. More like Christ. And every time another test will come, will be the test all over again. The last test can only serve you to know that God is faithful, but not how He's going to do it. But every test is a new test. Because you pass the last one, doesn't mean you'll pass this next one. It's a new test altogether. The French reformer, Theodore Biza, made a famous retort to the King Henry of Navarre. Sire, it is truly the lot of the Church of God 
for which I speak to endure blows and not to strike them. But may it please you to remember that it is an anvil which has worn out many hammers. The church of Jesus Christ is still present. Christians are still around. And those who have persecuted Christians and the church are gone. The church is a mighty anvil. Persecutors have been in the past. They are in the present. They will come in the future. But they will not prevail. Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. You see, the church was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish and spot, 1 Peter 1, 19 said. He purchased it. In fact, you remember when Paul talked to the Ephesian elders before he went back to Jerusalem in Acts 20, 28? He said that God had made them overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says God purchased with his own blood. Peter says it's Jesus' blood. Paul is calling Jesus God indirectly. One of many instances. You see, endurance and trials comes by trusting God and going through the fire. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God will never allow us to be tested beyond our ability to endure, but with every testing shows a way of escape. I love that verse. I run to it often. And I hate it because I'm busted. I have no excuse for failure. Whatever comes into your life, God will be sufficient. We are reminded that it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Zechariah 4, 6 and Ephesians 5, 18. We are instructed to count it all joy in various trials, for the, it produces patience that we may lack nothing. So we are to ask God not doubting anything, James 1, 2 through 8. So the trials are to drive us to God, that we might see our weakness and our need of Him. So that when God gets done what He wanted to do, we may give Him the glory and say, God, thank you. We are not to think it's strange when we fall into fiery trials that come upon us as though some strange thing has happened. But we are partakers of the sufferings of Christ, Peter says. For the blessing is that the Spirit of glory and of God will rest on us. And if we suffer, we need to make sure it isn't for our own wrong or evil. But as Christians, not being ashamed and glorifying God as a faithful creator. 1 Peter 4.12 through 16 and 19. You see, this was Paul's commendation of the Thessalonians. No one was getting glory but God. Notice thirdly here, in verse 5, Paul's declaration to the Thessalonians. Paul tells them that the fact that they were patient, had faith, and endured... The persecution provided the justification for God's choice of them. He says their suffering is manifest evidence. The word manifest means token or plain proof, found only this time in the New Testament. The plain evidence pointed back to the preceding verse, their steadfast endurance and faith in their suffering. So when you read there, which is manifest evidence of... It is referring to the previous verse. Their sufferings, their enduring, 
in faith and patience. The persecution to their lives came about due to their choice to follow Jesus and remaining faithful to Him. If you remain faithful to Christ, you will suffer persecutions on whatever level. Now, we as a Christian church in the United States don't receive persecution as the early church. By God's grace, the United States has never received that. But the way things are going, I'm not too sure of what this next century is going to bring. Because we're not physically persecuted does not exclude that that is a promise to the church. The apostle had told them from the beginning that Christians were appointed and would suffer tribulations in 1 Thessalonians 3, 3-4. Remember the first journey of Paul? He said, by the way, we must enter the kingdom of God through much tribulations. They had been Paul's anxious concern in view of their suffering. And he was hindered twice, as he said in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. And then in 3, 1-3. And he wanted to go back. As a father, he was concerned about their difficulty just as a father. is concerned about his child. If he's alone, he's afraid. Because he understands the fear. And he wants to be there. Paul was the same. So he sent Timothy. Notice he calls God's judgment righteous. When choice or judgment involves man, there is always a chance for error. When choice and judgment involves God, there is never a chance for error. He is perfect in every way. The word judgment, crisis, denotes the separation by the decision or verdict of good or evil without partiality. God is making this choice here. Notice the context is talking about God's righteous verdict over the Thessalonian saints. To make them His own. It's not talking about the judgment to the ones who are persecuting them. You must look to verse 5 there, which is manifest. Looks back to verse 4. Evidence of the righteous judgment of God. And he's talking about the Thessalonians. His choice to make them his own is a righteous choice. The judgment of God to vindicate the persecuted saint at Thessalonica, as well as all future generations, is discussed in the following verse 6 on down to 10. Notice verse 6. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. So the vindication of the saint is dealt with beginning verse 6. The righteous judgment here pertains to God's right choice of the Thessalonian. What's the evidence? They can endure suffering. They give evidence they belong to God. The perseverance of the saints. The apostle told them about the men who killed both the Lord and their apostles as well as persecuting them. And they did not please God. As they forbade them from preaching the gospel of the Gentiles in order that they might be saved. And he said, filling up the measure of their sin, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Second, 1 Thessalonians 2, 15 and 16. So God is going to pour out his wrath. But he's not pouring it out right now on the persecution. Yet God does deal with individuals. And wrath does come on individuals. But the time of the wrath pouring on all those who persecute the gospel throughout the ages is at the end. The tribulation period is going to be part of that. 
Now notice, secondly, Paul tells them that their suffering and endurance for the kingdom of God was a badge or proof of their citizenship. The phrase, counted worthy, is a judicial term. And it means to regard worthy. Not to make worthy, but to regard worthy. The suffering of the believer does not make him or her merit entrance into the kingdom of God. Do you understand? Because you suffer doesn't mean God says, oh, I should let him in. No. The fact that they were enduring, as Paul already stated, was the outcome and gave evidence of God's choice of them. The fact that they endured also gave evidence of their genuine birth from heaven by faith and grace. That's what he's saying. The righteous judgment here is God's choice of them, evident by their endurance through patience and faith and persecution. They were sons and daughters of God, heirs with Jesus Christ. Notice the kingdom of God refers to the future open manifestation of God's rule on the earth. The phrase for their present lives describes the rule of God in their heart. He's talking here about the ultimate manifestation of God's kingdom. When God will establish the kingdom, we will reign with Him. But in the present of their lives and ours, it describes the present rule of God in my heart. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If God is truly my Lord and Savior, He rules supreme in my life. There is no effort but about it. We're not talking about perfection. Or He wouldn't have given us an advocate for the defense. Jesus Christ is righteous, okay? But we're different now. The phrase is found 69 times in the New Testament. And the phrase describes the universal church of God. Both in heaven and on earth. The phrase indicates that God alone knows who are His. As he reigns in their heart and they obey. The phrase identifies the reason for their suffering in the past, even to the present day. Listen to him. For which you also suffer. They not only had endured, they were enduring, and they would endure. How? Depending on God. Their allegiance to the kingdom of God was their motivation for enduring and persecuting and the suffering. Their allegiance for the kingdom was their motivation to have them endure. You remember the psalmist in Psalm 73? He's looking around the non-believer, the evil person, and he's getting bummed out. He says, man, they're never sick. They never lose any calves. They're all rich. They're this and that. And he says, I've washed my hands in innocency, Lord. And verse 17 says, until I went to the sanctuary, God, until I went to prayer. And then I was like, Lord, I was like a beast before you. Who do I have in heaven besides you? Who do I desire on earth besides you? And he came to his senses. They are walking about in slippery poles. They can slip at any time. And they're gone. Perspective, people. Do you have your eyes in the world? Or do you have them in the kingdom? Do you understand the gospel? Do you have singleness of eyes, singleness of heart? We live in tension. But there must be resistance. I think of the suffering church of Sudan. And their endurance. How they are systematically being starved to death. And they can go get food if they will only deny their Lord and Master. And they say no. Now this doesn't reach our news. But they're being starved and killed because of their faith. 
I can't even imagine where their daughters, their sons, and their wives are kidnapped and sold into slavery. And the only way they can possibly get them back is to buy them back. And yet they're so dirt poor, they cannot. This is going on today. How did they do it? By trusting and depending on God. Hmm. The fact that God predestines the believer and the believer exercises his or her free moral agents of choice makes up God's righteous judgment for salvation followed by perseverance. Listen to Romans 8, 36 and 39 through 39. As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor thing present, nor thing to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. you know any of that? Every one of us will at one time or another. Paul tells the Corinthians, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, I like that, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18 Listen, go home today and look at a picture of you 10 years ago. You've changed. And you're going to keep changing. You come in like a grape and you go out like a raisin. Don't get caught up on the outward. Spend time on the inside, man. Develop your spiritual life. Sufferings for the kingdom of Christ's sake will only verify your citizenship. Listen to Paul, 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly with Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a promise. Peter warns us, for what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. 1 Peter 2.20 Peter reminds us of our own, uh, the, the primary example, uh, and it's ours. Listen, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 He's our example. Peter tells us the privilege of it. Listen, but even if you suffer... For righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. First Peter three fourteen. One more, he says. He declares the true value of suffering. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. First Peter three seventeen. This is truth, people. God has called you also and myself to love those who persecute us because of the gospel. Listen to Paul, Romans 12, 19 through 21. Paul says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, Paul tells us what we are to do. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. And for his so doing, you will heap coals upon his head. Finally, in verse 21, Paul warns us of our human and carnal sin nature of the old man. Listen, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. This was Paul's declaration of the Thessalonians. They were Incredible. Here you have Paul's thanksgiving. Expresses these three basic truths. The admiration of their growth in faith and love. Their commendation of their example through persecution. And the declaration that God has chosen them to verify 
by the partaking of the kingdom through their sufferings. Man, this is for you. This is for me. It's for today. May God give us wisdom. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close our time today with some encouraging and timely words for the persecuted church of yesterday and today. And today's message, Always Faithful, is available for only $4. And we'll also be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Always Faithful, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How should you deal with deception? That and more on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com